welcome back to the pod crashed today we're telling the story of scandinavian airlines flight 751 thanks for listening Maya, how are you hello how are you doing i'm doing well good can't Perfect. believe it's a monday night a monday imagine <laughs> oh, all i know is that lent starts this week Yes. So I have to yeah. eat all the sweets in my house. Yeah, you're doing no sugar. And I can't decide if it's going to be no sugar or no sweets. Gotcha. Because okay. no sugar, I can eat sugar-free popsicles. Right. And I'm not Catholic, so I don't have to take it that seriously. So right, right, exactly. It's kind popsicles. of whatever you decide. <laughs> right. It's good to practice that fasting mentality. Yeah, I've always, uh, like the times when we've done it, I really, really enjoyed it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, today we are talking about SAS, SAS, Scandinavian Airlines, Ooh. Flight 751. SAS Flight 751 uh, took place on December 27th, 1991. It's a good year. Good year. Good vintage. <laughs> what other good things happened in 1991, Ryan? So many good things. So many good things. So, so much life things. to be had in 1991. Oh, somebody asked, like, if you ever burned out a cassette tape. Oh, yeah. Definitely. 100%. I think it was yeah. the InSync cassette tape. InSync cassette tape. Yeah. Which one? It was, like, the first one that they put out, like, uh, like I don't know. They, had, they both had, like, a VHS and a cassette come out at, like, the same time as their first album or whatever. Oh, sure. And just on repeat, both. Yep. In the car, cassette. In the house, yes. VHS. Like, 100%. All the time. Yeah. Excellent. We burned out Let's Make Jesus Happy. <laughs> Going to sleep to it every night. Amazing. And a tape. Uh, there was, like, a children's magazine called Spider Magazine. Okay. And there was, like, a cassette tape made by the people who made the magazine oh okay of like stories yeah oh my gosh burned out <laughs> burned out there you go yeah amazing but I, we, I we gotta looked, find it if listen if somebody out there is like a expert on finding old cassettes yeah <laughs> i want it <laughs> but um so this flight is flying from stockholm to warsaw via copenhagen so i'm taking off from stockholm in december of 1991 obviously a little chilly Mm. um it's an md81 so um an md81 is like the newest version or like was the new version of the dc9 okay so um the uh, maybe someone can tell me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is that it's comparable to how like the Max is the continuation of like the old 737, right? So there's you know it's it's the newest updated version, but now it has a new name. Gotcha. And this plane is nine months old, baby, baby, little baby plane, brand new, yeah. brand new. Seriously. These planes are probably still flying. I bet somebody has, like, planes, like, has MD-81s flying somewhere. Oh, probably yeah. Probably in, like... They're only know, 30. It's not that old. No, exactly. <laughs> 30 just is not that old. It's not that old. Damn it. Goodness. 
Um, the captain is Stefan Rasmussen. Okay. He's a Danish pilot. So the thing with uh, SAS is that um, I believe someone can tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure Stockholm is their hub. But it is like a Scandinavian airline. Mm. So okay. Um, and then Ulf Siderman is the uh, first officer. And I think he's Swedish, but I didn't check. <laughs> so um, the, oh, I didn't actually look up. Uh, there were 125 people on board. So let's see the makeup of that. No, 129 people on board. Okay. 123 passengers, six crew. Um, so pretty big plane, uh, pretty full. The um, plane had arrived to Stockholm the previous night from Zurich and it had uh you know then done what planes do and sat there overnight and it was you know below freezing overnight so uh something that is important to know about a lot of like uh, this will come up with I think all of the McDonnell Douglas like MD planes we talk about instead of having the planes mounted or the, the planes instead of having the um engines mounted mm. on the wings mm -hmm. the engines are attached to the tail or like they're back by like the butt of the plane so there's an engine on either side of the plane in the rear so and they're like against the fuselage so if you're in like we had a lot of md uh 88s and md 90s that flew out of buffalo and if you were on them and if you were in the back of the plane because you're a non-rev because you're an employee who's flying then like it'll make the whole plane rattle oh my god <laughs> because the engine yeah it's like right up against Jeez. the plane and they're old so right. they're loud but it's also like it's a womb like right it's loud it's like vibrating <laughs> like it's kind of it's okay yeah it's fine i think brian hates it but yeah can't handle that noise yeah so um the when the plane had arrived from Zurich, again, this is the, um, not the olden days, gosh darn it all, no. but it was at a time where apparently, I don't know if fuel was cheaper or whatever, but when the plane had landed the night before, um, there was a lot of leftover fuel, right? And now most of the time you would only take the fuel that you need or you not, you know, uh, you would try to minimize the amount of fuel you're carrying on oh, each okay. flight, right? Because fuel weighs something and the more fuel you have on board, the more the plane weighs and the more fuel you'll burn. Mm. Um, but this plane actually had arrived with the fuel it would need for the next day already um, on board. So that fuel overnight sitting uh, in the freezing temperatures of, you know, midwinter in Stockholm um, had gotten super, super cold. And the uh, fuel in an MD-81 is stored in the uh, wings. Huh. So the wings right now are full of this, like, extremely cold fuel. I didn't realize the wings could store things. Is that common or just on this particular plane? Yeah, um, not not all planes. I don't know how common it is now, but historically, um, I mean, I'm aware that of other planes that store fuel in the wings. Mm. Um, sometimes there's like <clears throat> big uh, reservoirs of fuel along like the belly of the plane. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there are pros and cons. So fuel has to get to the engines. Mm -hmm. So um, anytime where like you have a a engine a wing mounted engine like obviously fuel has to get to that engine mm -hmm. but on this plane um there's like a significant amount of fuel that's stored in the wings hmm. interesting yeah 
Um, so the uh, wings, so uh, de-icing, right? If you've ever flown in winter, you know that de-icing is part of the deal. It's very annoying. We hate it. You hate mm. it. Everyone hates it. Um, as like a side thing, if you are flying in the winter and they load you up onto the plane and then you sit there for forever, <laughs> right? The reason why you're sitting there for forever is because there's not like one de-icing machine per gate, mm. right? There's going to be a handful of de-icing um, equipment, uh, like trucks, right? There's going to be a certain number of those, and they're going to have to drive around from gate to gate. So normally, right, we can load up like three planes at once, and all those planes can taxi out to the runway and take off one right after the other. Um, at Buffalo, we would de-ice the planes right there at the gate. Um, in other places, they'll have like Atlanta, which is it's a disaster if Atlanta is cold enough to have to do just de-icing. Oh God, yeah. Like, yeah, they have to like line up and just get de-iced one after the other. But it's very slow. But it's slow because they want to do a good job. Right, they right. Be thorough. And hopefully you will appreciate them more after this yeah. story. <laughs> but, and how, like, um, how, what are the conditions necessary to de-ice a plane? Is it similar to a car or like? just throughout all of winter or there are like specific conditions that i i actually don't know completely the answer to mm. it there are, are like a series of conditions so a lot of times we would um not necessarily know if a plane was going to have to be de-iced gotcha. i think that if a plane arrives from somewhere um so pilots always do a walk around right in between each flight they'll when they first arrive at the plane they'll do a walk around and look at it they'll do a walk around in between when they get off a flight after the flight they'll do a walk around before the next flight and that's one of the things they're looking for in the winter is going to be ice accumulating gotcha um i uh, so maybe the pilot makes the call i know that yeah and i think the pilot makes the call but i don't think it's always just like just his judgment mm. um i think that a lot of times the uh, like there are specifiers right like if it's snowing and it's cold then obviously you need to be de-iced or things like that right. so i think there's probably a list of things that would mean yes in this case always de-ice but a pilot can tell yes yeah. <laughs> yeah um so the uh it's the plane has been sitting there overnight um this plane's definitely getting de-iced and so they are de-icing it and the pilot had done his walk around, right? Um, but as they were de-icing the plane, as they're loading it up. Uh, so let me back up. So you have to load everybody onto the plane before you de-ice it. Um, so the pilot was supposed to get out and check and see if the um, plane was completely de-iced. Um, but he didn't. He just asked the engineer, he asked the guys doing the de-icing, like, did you get all of it? And they said yes. And he said, like, did you check? He, like, went through, like, specific places. Like, did you check this? Did you check that? And they were like, yep, yep, yep. There's no ice on the plane. And he took their word for mm -hmm. it. So they uh, taxied out to the runway um, at 8.47 a.m. So early in the morning, not super early in the morning, but, you know, to be on a plane that leaves. I mean, I guess it's the 90s. So you could have gotten there at like 840 and gotten on the plane. Right. <laughs> but um, so uh, taxi out and they take off. And normal takeoff as they're climbing 25 seconds into their climb, oh the plane starts to vibrate. 
and then chunk, 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 chunk. Okay. And the whole plane is shaking with each chunk, 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 these huge, like crashing sounds. Now, Mariah, you grew up in Buffalo, didn't you? I sure did. (laughs) Did you ever, um, were you ever inside your house or a house when a bunch of snow and ice Uh, slid off the roof? Yes. It's terrifying. It's It's terrifying, right? It's very loud. So loud. It sounds like a, like cannon mm-hmm. or like gunshot mm-hmm. and it shakes the yeah. house right because it's i don't know hundreds of pounds yeah. of snow just yeah oh, it's, it's so i mean scary. it's really dangerous it really is yeah yeah actually that's ex- actually <laughs> i know i shouldn't keep interrupting it i know we promised we wouldn't interrupt but i just want to say that when my mom was a little girl growing up they had one car and my grampy went out to get into the car to go somewhere and then he was like oh i forgot and like turned the car on to let it warm up went back in the house snow slid off the roof and crushed the car. <gasps> oh my gosh crushed the entire car <sighs> thank god he went back inside i know I know. Isn't that insane? That is really insane. Wow. So that's what we're talking about here. Yeah, it is very. Yeah, exactly. The reason that you don't go into deep tunnel forts, (laughs) like you don't build them too deep because they will collapse. They they absolutely can collapse. And then you're I mean, being collapsed, like being crushed in snow sounds so horrible. No. So the ice had the ice that had not been completely removed had slid off the wings and because again so the the engines are mounted to the rear of the plane behind the wings mm-hmm. the snow had slid off and shot directly into the engines Oof. exactly so what was happening now so they heard that sound they feel about vibrations and their their whole like plane lights up and starts making noise with them right like the all of the things are going off like hey 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 like what's going on and um like all of the uh, alarms and indicators at the same time what starts happening is the plane is like jolting back and forth so it's not the actual like chunk 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 sound anymore but the plane will all of a sudden like pull back and forth back and forth And the pilot is, or the captain Rasmussen is is stunned. He's he's he is not sure what's yeah. happening. The pilot, co-pilot, right? The first officer who had been a uh, fighter pilot in, I think, the Swedish military, mm. um, he recognized what was happening as a compressor stall. Now, once again, I throw myself on your mercy and hope that if I mis-explain this, that you will let me know. Yeah. Well, they'll let us <laughs> um, my know. My understanding of a... Com- Please let yeah. us know. My understanding of the compressor stall is that... Um, the So the compressor part of the engine, right? The air goes in um, and then it's compressed, right? And then it's pressed, like shot back, okay. yeah. right? And then I think other stuff happens. I don't think that's the only thing that propels uh, an engine forward, right? But what happens in a compressor stall, if I'm understanding this right, is something goes wrong in that compression stage. Mm. And so it can't shoot back. And so sometimes it will shoot forward, right? Which is the wrong direction. And that's why the the plane is like feeling like it's jerking back and forth. Um, And what you would do if you have a compressor stall is pull back on the throttle, mm-hmm. right? Uh, like pull back on the power, try to take the pressure off the compressor 
the compressor. Um, and the so the co-pilot recognizes what is happening. The pilot doesn't. And it's really important to say that SAS did not do any training on this. Whoa. The captain had never been trained on this. It wasn't in their um, materials. It wasn't something that he had done in the simulator. Um, but he did I, instinctually, I guess, pull back on the throttle like he actually did pull back on the throttle on on both engines Mm -hmm. so as they pull back on the throttle they um still don't really know what's happening um there's (laughs) so (laughs) they pull back on the throttle they assume that it's going to stay pulled back they assume that the plane will do what they told it to do but here we are (laughs) in 1991 making the same mistakes that we made with the stupid mask and there's a system inside the plane called atr automatic thrust restoration i hate it already i hate it oh hate it the the plane thinks like oh you didn't mean to do that let's Turn that thrust back up. And so here's the thing. Just like with the MAX, just like with the MCAS system, the pilots had never been told about this stupid system. They had no idea it was on the plane. The MD-81 was like a souped up hot shot. It's 1991. The future is now plane that had this stupid system in it. And nobody told them. So they pull back on the throttle and the plane just pushes the throttle back up. I'm disappointed. Oh, so it kind of doesn't matter on a certain level because, in fact, the compressor wasn't having like a a problem. It was having a a catastrophic mechanical failure (laughs) because ice had gotten into it and just messed it up. It wasn't a problem. It was the worst thing to ever happen. (laughs) Exactly. Everything was so messed up that it's not even like it made the biggest difference. But anyway, so the thrust pushes back up. The pilots don't notice. And it's one of the things that... um, that came up in the investigation that they didn't appear to notice. And the thought was that on the MD-81, the um, dials, like the um, things that they would read that would like the indicators that they can see are smaller and digital. And instead of like big and obvious, like the ones on the DC-9, for whatever reason, neither of them uh, appeared to see it. So they are uh, the, so all of this is happening right but in the cockpit right really all that's happened is they've pulled back on the throttle and they're kind of stunned like they're trying to figure out what just happened and now it's the olden days no it's not no it's not how it's dare you modern period of time it was not that long ago and the door is open to the cockpit because uh, it's a glorious time of peace. Jeez. The just Soviet Union has right. fallen. The best era. Anyway. You just walk right into the cockpit. Um, exactly. So in uh, to Charlie in the um, like on board the plane riding as a passenger is Pear. Pear, <laughs> P-E-R. Okay. Pear is the name of a, another captain who works for SAS, right? And he felt everything that they felt right and he also was a fighter Mm. pilot and he recognized oh it's a compressor stall and so he's looking directly into the cockpit and he can see that they're not taking any like they're not doing a lot he just can see visually that they're kind of i'm not like trying to shame the pilot at all and this is all happening right i mean he thought they would be doing something to address the issue and they weren't 
Yeah. Which the specific he, so issue he, he was up. thinking that it was, yeah. Right. So he jumped up and like ran in and said, like, can I help you? And they were like, yeah. <laughs> so Pear, our good man Pear. Okay. He uh, had was a studious boy and when the md81 when sas bought the md81 he had studied very well he was so studious <laughs> and so he had looked over all of the checklists and all of the documents that they had gotten about the md81 and he had read through the checklists right and he had noticed something that the two pilots who were operating the flight had also noticed which is that there is no checklist for dual engine failure for the Hmm. md81 because they thought it's the future it's 1991 we technology will never advance this 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 plane is done and nothing bad can happen to it so they just didn't make a checklist for it they just, just that can't happen so we won't Ugh. do it but pear doesn't trust these newfangled planes pear thinks these these new hotshot planes are going are more vulnerable to mechanical problems like this they're more yeah. vulnerable um because they're high tech to like no matter how high tech something is if you smash it with a <laughs> hammer it's broken pear right? knows. so no matter how cool right your plane is like really super great and nice but it if like it if something is ingested into the engines if you hit a bird or a or ice or anything like that it's still vulnerable to that so he had made his own checklist no. he had sat down with a typewriter wrote up oh his own gosh. checklist wrote yes! Pear. Pear. what a guy he had written up his own Ugh. checklist and then, and then shared so, it and this must have he shared it he ran in there and he starts going through the checklist with them so what he did was he told uh the captain who was flying like you fly you do nothing but fly all you do is fly look ahead fly and on the like cvr like from time to time the pilot would kind of like poke his head up and be like oh should i and he'd be like fly you do nothing but fly right and here's the thing as far as flying goes just for context it they're completely completely like in clouds they're completely surrounded by clouds all they can well and they're like one foot off the air right isn't this all like within the first minute oh my god three thousand feet off the air three or off the ground three thousand feet off the ground so uh pierre tells the captain like you fly that's all you're doing now flying and he tells the first officer um to start communicating right with uh the stockholm airport so he calls stockholm interestingly says we're having engine problems instead of maybe (laughs) or like a little more information but again they don't have a lot of information and again so from the beginning i'm telling the story like we we are whatever 15 minutes into this story but in real time this is 20 right, seconds right. Maybe after the beginning of this a lot's happening so he says a lot is happening <laughs> so he um starts to go through pair starts to go through his checklist and um back to that like concept of crew resource management right like they're just working together like you're doing your job i'm doing my job i am an extra man and i'm doing additional job and you know they're just coordinating together so meanwhile in the back the flight attendants have a sense that something is wrong right nobody's talking to them 
nobody's they're not in the loop per se but they're paying attention so the flight attendants know that something is pretty sure that something is very very wrong and so they start yelling out like orders to the passengers (laughs) right and they are like like yelling out what they're actually saying is um like head down hold your ankles like the very like like we're gonna they don't say we're gonna crash land but they're like yelling out like prepare you know brace brace like like head down hold your ankles which again side note if you're ever on a plane like check if you can do that in your seat yeah just check like be aware (laughs) like i think about that all the time if you're really tall like you can't hold your ankles your head bashes into the seat in front of you but i don't know um so and maybe talk to your flight attendant and just say like i can't fit into the brace position like what should i do in the case of an emergency um and if a flight attendant out there knows what the go-to is for that you can tell tell you but we would love to know so all of this is happening they are all um working together in the cockpit uh they are also descending because there's no engine power right both engines have completely failed and uh so they're slowly starting to descend uh as they are do 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 as they're descending, right? They, they're the idea is that they'd like to go back to the airport, right? They're not that far, really, from the airport. Um, but as they descend, they dip below the clouds and see that uh, a they are really, really yeah. close to the ground, and b um, they are there's a field ahead of them that they can see, but the field is on the other side of like a forest right so they're coming down they're flying over trees and on the other side of those trees if they can get there there's a field and we've talked about glide slope and all these different things like trying to figure out how much like how much time you have before you make contact with the ground what that um uh, angle will be right but they don't have there's nothing else to do right there, there's very 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 minimal action they can take they're trying to maximize slow the plane down but not too much maximize the amount of time they have but not too much like they're trying they have a spot in mind that they want mm. to hit which helps them um decide what yeah. actions to take right so um pair starts uh there's one of the things that was stands out to me i guess is that some of the things that he was doing he wasn't communicating um which uh he because he had the checklist in his own head right so um he starts to add flaps i really want to explain flaps but i'm pretty sure that someone will i'm worried Mm. i'm gonna get it wrong so again uh this can just be the corrections episode later but um my understanding is that the idea with flaps are that um, they essentially increase the amount of lift, like the amount of air passing Mm -hmm. over the wing. So they increase lift. So if you are like when you're landing, right, your plane is slowing down. So as you're approaching, but you don't want it to slow down so much that you just topple out of the sky. Right. So if it's because if you slow down too much, you stall, you don't have enough lift to keep you flying Mm -hmm. and you just fall. So my understanding is that flaps increase the um area of the wings so that you don't have to be moving as fast to have air passing over the wings so like he's increasing Mm -hmm. the flaps um and as they're approaching 
the uh, they're getting closer and closer to the trees. They're getting closer and closer to the field. But the flight attendants uh, who are there for your safety, the flight attendants who are primi- primarily there yes. for your safety, right? The pilots are there to fly the plane. The flight attendants are there to worry about you. The flight attendants yell at pair, oh get out of there. <laughs> get out of there and get buckled. Like, because they can see that they're about to make contact yeah. with something, right? And so they yell at him. He just dives out and like throws himself oh. onto the ground um, in the galley, like in the kitchen. So he's between like in that, it's like a little yeah. tight closet, right? But he just throws himself on the ground. And almost immediately after, the right wing <gasps> hits the top of a tree and oh, rips no. off. The plane rolls to the right and oh. then rolls to the left, hits, hits trees on the left, left wing gets ripped off. Plane lands on the ground, shatters no. into three pieces, slides for 350 feet in the field, and stops. The emergency doors don't work because uh, they were like damaged by the impact, apparently. So they're just stuck in there. But the planes in three, there's fuel oh everywhere, soaking everything because the fuel is in the wings. There. So people start to scurry out through the holes in the fuselage. They're just in a field in the middle of <laughs> Sweden. Must be After beautiful. Christmas at nine in the morning, like again, no, eight forty-eight in the morning. Okay, like really early in the morning, right? There's like a cabin over at the edge of the field, and so they start to like scuttle over to the the cabin, and there's like a bunch of teenagers who had just like gone for like a little day trip or whatever to this cabin. They're all asleep inside, so they're banging on the door or whatever, and the like teenagers wake up and there's you know all of these people out there and like a broken up plane and so the teenagers start to like call for help people who can call for help call for help everybody oh my gosh every single person i was waiting for you to say it was gonna explode i know so everybody survived so they got there everything was covered in fuel um, so they foamed yeah. it down or whatever. There were some people who were trapped on board um, just because of the way things had gotten mm. broken up, but they got them out. Pear had oh, been knocked no. unconscious and the captain had like dragged him out. Um, but every one woman was hurt badly, like her back was injured and a few other people had like yeah. injuries, but every single person oh, lived. That's amazing. The plane didn't catch on fire. Good job, Pear. Yes. You saved good that job. whole entire plane. Yes! Everybody did a good job, but Pear oh. just stepped up. Love him. Stepped and he created up. something that didn't exist for the specific he did. He did interaction. Yes! He just God. did his homework. What are the chances he was on that he plane? Made that thing that... Oh my gosh. Exactly. My word. Yeah, exactly. Incredible. When they. When they did the investigation, um, so we talked about how the like ATP thing, right? The or AT, ATP, I think it's a medical <laughs> thing. The automatic thrust res- rest yeah. restore, ATR. Or whatever ATR. So um, when they did the investigation, and it's really really nice when you can do the investigation and interview yeah. the pilots. Yeah. It's the best, you know. Um, when they 
did their investigation, what they decided was that the accident, the number one cause of the accident was um, SAS's instructions Whoa. being inadequate. So basically that the training was inadequate from the wow. airline. It was the training regarding de-icing, A, and also the training regarding how to handle the situation and the training about, um, like, how can I say this? Not having uh, the pilots have a compressor stall wow. simulation. So they took the, they like the, acknowledged that it was their fault from the get. Yeah. They also, like, they definitely, as a contributing factor, they definitely blamed the pilot, the captain, for not checking for the de icing. I've seen some people say that, um, so like human eyes looked at it and thought right. it was de iced also, right? So, and the thing about ice is that sometimes you can't yeah. see it, right? Yeah, that's exactly so, right. He, I don't, I had, didn't see anything that he got in trouble. He was like the um, captain. He was honored by the queen Perfect. of Denmark because never forget Denmark <laughs> yes. has a monarchy. Yes. But I do love the queen. The queen. The queen. But, the crown. <laughs> um, so they, uh, everybody survived. They wrote up. A damned checklist for compressors for like dual engine failure for the MD81. Um, obviously, this is how everybody found out about the mm-hmm. ATR system, which is important. Um, and wow, yeah, that's amazing. Went- It blows my mind that Boeing, like, how dare you? This was already done. This drama already happened. You freaking story murderer. I mean, story stealer. (laughs) Like, what are you doing? Right. (laughs) This already happened once and it didn't end well. Right. And, like, you could learn this lesson with a flight where everybody exactly With, like, a crash where everybody lives. Not multiple where everyone dies. That pisses me off even more (sighs) about Boeing. I know. I know. And, like, so... McDonnell Douglas, the uh, creators of these planes, merged with Boeing. Oh my God! So like, this is part of Boeing's lineage too. What the heck? I don't know. That's like it's so. It really is know. bizarre to me. Like, I don't understand why. Is it the training? Like, it goes back to that. That's the reason that you don't tell pilots because you don't have to retrain them. And then when this happens, you're like, oh <laughs> shit, our training's not up to date. Like, you knew this would happen, right? Because you knew you weren't training them. I think that with this one, I might be wrong about this. Um, uh, I I have the impression with this one that it's more like the hubris of thinking that you're... I think that probably in all of these cases, right? There's just a certain amount of like pride on the part of the manufacturer right where like we're making a great plane that won't have problems and that just yeah. needs to die right and i'm sure that there are like the run-of-the-mill engineers have that in mind you know like the everyday engineers who are actually designing and creating planes i think that they probably have human error yeah. very much in mind but the people who are on like the sales side like look at how glorious this plane is it's the best plane ever i feel like they don't oh think God. about that as much because they don't think about problems as right. much as you know right. other people in the process 
God. I don't know. Planes will be bought. Like, don't. You don't have to. Yeah. Like, they're already an amazing feat yeah. enough. Like, you don't have to oversell it. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not in the plane industry, That's... so I wouldn't know. But it seems pretty black and white <laughs> well, to me. I, I kind of don't. I don't really think you're wrong because there is. Uh, you know, now there's really only two manufacturers that are competing right. against each other, right? So, you know, there used to be three, and then you merged with, you know, this like yeah. McDonnell Douglas, who made this plane. You, they used to be doing their own thing, but now they're not. So it's really just Boeing and Airbus. Right. And I mean, again, that's how the whole Max yeah. thing happened. That you just wanted to take business away right. from Airbus. It was like that simple. It's know. sick. It really is. I don't know. But this is McDonnell Douglas. I guess they're more. I well, mean, and they're not American. So they took responsibility instead of trying to shift the blame everywhere before getting caught and then taking the responsibility. You mean the the, um, um, the Swedish airline? Yeah. The air... Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that investigation, I think it's interesting because that's the truth right the truth isn't just that the you know just right. that the pilot messed up it's also it's a very important part of the picture that he a there is a certain amount of human error that you cannot avoid b yeah he should have looked but here's the thing like so there was ice on those wings yeah right there just was it got de-iced other human eyes saw it and saw that it had been de-iced if the pilot it had also matter. looked at it and but if he thought, right, if he looked at it and saw with his own two eyes that it appeared to be de-iced, he still, when this happened, like, he was always going to get some of the blame, right. blame no matter what happened, right? Because there right. was ice on it, and apparently human eyes could right. not perceive the ice. So, and it was an engineer who he asked, right? Like, Yeah, he asked, there's, like, the people, like, the people who are doing the de-icing, there's, you know, the regular... Like, I mean, shout out to right. all of them. Like, everybody just doing, oh. like, the grunt work of aviation. You're the best, <laughs> number one. Um, but there's also, yeah, the person who's in charge who, you know, the engineer who's looking over the plane. And he did ask him. And he thought right. he thought it was de-iced. Goodness. But the whole thing, I just want to say this, from takeoff to field, 90 seconds. Jeez, that's a very so quick minute and fast. a half. I really tried to find the answer to this. I don't think that the captain of this flight ever flew again oh, commercially, no. but he did. I can't find it. It just, I had heard that before, but he did become like a Danish version of a okay. congressman, um, like a couple years later and then had like a whole All career right. in politics. So I can't tell if he left immediately or if he just was so passionate about yeah Denmark that he wanted to be a politician <laughs> I can't tell but either way he um or if this was like right, his right. chance I don't know <laughs> like, he was like I don't want to be lied yeah, to anymore let me become a politician <laughs> yes <laughs> yes right that's pure passion got it. oh so much but yeah yeah it's an amazing story I was thinking about how like flying during winter does like there's just so many extra pieces yeah. flying in the middle of winter have you flown like in a blizzard or have you been at the have you ever been at the airport or like had a flight canceled for weather i've never had a flight canceled for weather but i have flown in a lot of 
cold weather situations and it is i mean it it can be scary at points um but it does seem to take a little bit longer especially flying out of buffalo um yeah but it's you know you get on the plane you sit for a while like you said but it's not it's just to be expected i guess growing up in buffalo we kind of just it takes forever to get anywhere so it makes sense that it would be right longer it would take longer to get a, an airplane ready to fly so it doesn't you know it's just like not yeah. something you really yeah. think about it's also like the i mean i don't know the yeah. ramp guys like winter is yeah. so brutal and the ramp i say ramp guys unlike pilots there actually are women oh, wow i didn't know that like, i know like there's just i think there's probably more women working on the ramp than there are who are flying wow. which whatever like i guess keep working on we'll it get guys. there like one percent of women are pilots or whatever but but we'll get there i don't know yeah. it'll be a long time yeah. right yeah well especially now god i don't know it's gonna be forever now yeah right i really the best thing that could ever happen i hope that what we're doing is actually enjoyable for women because like there's no reason why women shouldn't enjoy these stories and i'm positive women will but i just think anything like trucks trains aviation like all that stuff is just coded male and so people don't even know it's for them right like people don't even know that it's something they can totally do yeah no exactly i don't know i remember one time one time a friend was telling me about this in jersey city she was she was driving to work and um she saw this like beautiful black like 25 year old just driving this 18 wheeler but like she had her nails done she had her hair yes! done like just yes this fucking queen driving this 18 wheeler and it yes was, she like she came into work and she was so happy she was like it made my freaking day like nothing can happen today that will not yeah. be amazing because i just saw this amazing incredible woman just driving that freaking truck oh, it's so it's so good yes oh my gosh i know that um i mean working for japan airlines right there is exactly one woman who's a captain in japan airlines and there's a lot of reasons for that yeah none of them are good reasons but like it's complex it's a lot but i like thought about i i mean the thrill i would have felt oh to see her like if she oh you never met her fly uh triple sevens oh. no she does she doesn't fly triple sevens for them but um or at least i if i'm wrong i'm wrong but i'm quite sure she flies gotcha. a different aircraft but i would have i mean just it would have been the thrill of yeah. my jowl career right like it just would have been amazing oh gosh, to bet. meet her Ugh. but yeah I, there was a, a woman who was actually she she was um let me get this right she was a some kind of scandinavian woman i feel like she was i feel like she was danish and so i i hope i'm not wrong but uh or norwegian she was norwegian because i remember asking her if she ever wanted to fly for norwegian air and she's like (laughs) no i would never do that because (laughs) they're like a cheapy airline but um but she was a pilot who flew for um, American I think but the it was convenient for her to non-rev to like use the employee benefits to fly on Delta between New York City and Buffalo oh, okay. she lived in Buffalo so I would be yeah. on a lot of flights with her right and 
you know, you do get to fly in first class a lot. Um, if you work for the airline, only if it's available, <laughs> we never take your seat. But um, and so I got to talk to her quite a bit or I'd be working the flight that she would be non revving on or different things like that. And I mean, probably 15 times I probably saw people assume oh she was God. a flight attendant. She was in her pilot's uniform. She was in her <sighs> captain's uniform. And like over and over and over and over and over again. And people no, weren't being mean. Not. They weren't being rude. And she she never yelled at anybody or anything like that. But she was always like, yeah, I am a captain. <laughs> like, like I'm going to not get you your and Coke and again. rum. Right, right. Exactly. It happened with like uh, what sometimes she would. There's without explaining all the details. um a lot of times in aviation when you see us like typing like the person behind the desk the your gate agent or your ticketing agent or yeah. your check-in agent and they're like typing furiously it's because they're still dos systems like 90 oh percent of the time <laughs> there's like a point and click system that delta uses now but it's trash and everybody who can still use the dos system uses it so it's a lot of like type d type d type d and a lot of manual like data input um, yeah. inputs right action codes and uh so if you're if a pilot or a flight attendant want to jump seat you have to like type in um all of these action codes to create their um spot on the flight in the jump seat and multiple times this pilot multiple times would be uh like jump seating on our flights and people would type in without asking no. her that she was a flight attendant. And she would say, I'm not a flight attendant. I can jump seat in the... Oh, I saw somebody say, she was like, I can jump seat in the cockpit. And they were like, no, oh you my can't. God. It's only for I pilots. am a pilot. I'm I a am captain. a pilot. <laughs> yes. Misogyny. Listen, <sighs> everybody wins in, with even, feminism. The, the, the same... Sorry, I cut you off, but it pisses me off. <sighs> yeah. No, I know. I know. But at the same time, the other half of it is... That it's like me, you, everybody, like we didn't invent the idea that men would be the only right. kind of people that can be pilots, right? Like that assumption doesn't come from nowhere. That assumption isn't invented by the person who's just been working 15 hours and they're just trying to get you on the plane, right? Like, and I think that's why she was never, ever rude. I do imagine being Norwegian, like I do imagine coming from a country where Right, women are more equal. It would be weird yeah. to like run yeah. into that every day. Of and your that's life. not to say that there. This is like, it's a, um, it's an insult to say that you're a flight attendant. This is in no way, like, an offense to flight attendants no. anywhere. No, flight attendants yeah. are right glorious. But it comes to a certain point. I mean, she's worked incredibly hard all of her career to for a specific goal that she has reached. You know, like it's yeah. right yeah yeah i think it's also just like being recognized as, as right who, yeah what you are right it's not that it's i mean i think that happens with um like right, doctors right. and nurses right like male nurses are thought of as doctors women who are doctors get treated like nurses nurses are not no worse God, than no. doctors Do nurses are not junior doctors yeah. nurses are vital like professionals right. who have a different role flight attendants are extremely important life-saving individuals who have a very yeah. very important role and who get treated real bad because they get treated yep. like wait staff 
imagine like if you're like if your waitress also might have to save your life yeah right? no exactly <laughs> well know. and that's the thing like it's it is i mean i don't know also when you're on the plane if something does happen like you want to know who to look for like you look for the flight attendants you let the pilots do yeah. what the hell they have to do like our good friend yeah. what was his name Ma- I, I don't know why i keep wanting to Pear. call him mauv <laughs> like what is that name where is that coming from i have no idea what's his name pear okay mauv. Pear. Pear. pear i mean you know <laughs> yeah but even in that situation right because the conversations i've had with pilots interviews i've seen with pilots like when pilots are flying in emergency situations and non-emergency situations like they're there to think about flying the plane that's their role right and flight attendants are there to think about your safety right the pilots the pilots know that if like they get the plane wherever it needs to go safely you are safe and that's like a yeah incidental right your safety is um not what they're thinking about they're thinking about keeping right. the plane safe right and you're inside the plane so yeah good news that's <laughs> great for you right but the flight attendants are strictly yeah. thinking about your safety and they see mm-hmm. people get hurt right like no matter how much you fly you don't fly as much as a flight no. attendant or a pilot right so like they see people right. get hurt god i stuff. bet you they hear the same jokes all day long of just like stupid people like <laughs> yeah. Ooh, put my tray table up like <laughs> shut up and put your fucking tray table up <sighs> i couldn't do it i couldn't right. do the yes. flight attendant god bless you all oh truly truly yeah it's it's wild but i um everybody honestly again 10 out of 10 everybody who works in aviation (laughs) again unless you unless you're terrible right right? because there's the other thing (laughs) is that all of us have been like wow yeah you're (laughs) the worst (laughs) right so like every pilot who's listening to this can think of a pilot who you're just like yep like and every flight attendant and every gate agent like every so it's not like everybody's an angel but it is a really they're it's, they're yeah. really really hard jobs. It's hard to emphasize how hard it is to be good at right. your job in right. aviation, no matter what yeah, it is. Exactly, and it's so important for them to be good at their job. Right. Yeah. yeah. Goodness. Yeah. Well, great story. Thanks. For, <sighs> thanks for telling. That was a good one. That was a great. It was such a good one. Wasn't it? I good? can't believe I it's split into three pieces. Such a good one. It did. You yeah. can look up pictures of We're it. We're going to have it up cool. on our Instagram. Oh, let me just... Check it out. Definitely. Yeah, do. Um, I want to add that um, Mentor Pilot, M-E-N-T-O-U-R Pilot, um, has a YouTube channel. Probably everybody who's listening to this who's already into aviation will have seen or heard of his channel. Um, but he is Swedish himself, I think. <laughs> maybe not pretty sure swedish um but he did like a really cool breakdown on this flight um and he does a lot of really cool breakdowns um so i definitely watched his video as part of preparing for this and um it's really cool to get it from i like all of his videos about um like aviation disasters he doesn't only do those he does a lot of stuff that's kind of geared toward people who want to become pilots but when he does those like disaster breakdowns 
um, they're really interesting because he is a pilot, right? So he's getting, he he's catching details, he's understanding things that um, other people who are just who have a different role in aviation or no role right, in aviation right. might not catch. Yeah, so it's a nice really, outside really good. perspective of what's like just a nice breakdown of it. Yeah, definitely. So awesome. definitely check out his channel. Um, yeah, and yeah. don't forget to email us. <laughs> That's your homework for <laughs> That's this. Your week. homework for this week, especially if you're the seriously. We know Canadian. you're out there. <laughs> we can see you listening. We don't know. Yeah, but we don't know who you are. We don't have any real. No, God, no. We're not gonna send like, anything to your house. But we just see. we know you're listening. We know a lot no. of you are listening. Yeah, and if you're. If you were born in 1991, yeah. I would like a message. And how you're if feeling you, about turning 30 this if year? If you are some, <laughs> hey, no, I'm I'm excited about it. Yeah, I no, I'm I'm, cool. I'm I'm very excited for my 30s. I actually do. I I think it's I I'm yeah. really excited about it. I think that time passes right. no matter what you do, right? So I just think 30 and your 30s because you're totally so young. young. Like everything's the same. I. I don't think that I don't think that my like my body's not different from it was at 25 and I'm just gonna believe in my heart that 35 (laughs) won't be different either right and maybe at like 45 it'll be different but like you're I just think that you're still young you're still healthy hopefully you know good lord willing and you maybe get to be done with school hopefully or like have a little more steadiness in your life or maybe you don't but either way it doesn't seem like 30 doesn't seem that different from 29 i don't know no my mom always said that uh you really change on the fives nothing really happens on the zeros like i don't know why we we celebrate the decade change because it doesn't like not much has happened right not much has happened since we've been 25 but 25 you kind of you start to change your mentality changes and i think that comes at 35 not so much 30 30 you like it's more of a societal acceptance like okay you're not stupid anymore you know like oh you're 30 okay good. <laughs> yeah. you've had you've lived yeah. some life and it's like a respect right. thing especially for yeah. women i feel like <clears throat> yeah i mean i think that people i mean for women between 30 and 35 that can be like a pretty stressful period because it's kind of like people act like that's your like baby window right and that can be stressful and i don't want to like diminish that stress but i also think that having a kid at 29 or 32 yeah i don't think it's that different either you know yeah exactly yeah but no i'm not a doctor but that's (laughs) what doctors we're not pilots no we're not we're just a bunch of friends talking about plane crashes (laughs) just friends just friends who like plane crashes so thank you so much for listening to this episode of the pod crashed we hope you enjoyed it if you noticed anything that we got wrong or if you have any information that you'd like to share with us or if you just want to have a chat you can find us on instagram and tiktok You can also email us at thepodcrashed at gmail.com. If you'd like, you can also send us a 60-second audio clip that we can include in future episodes. If you have an interesting story to tell uh, as a passenger or working in aviation, we'd love to hear it.
If you're better at explaining any of the technical things we talk about, we would certainly love to put that at the top of an episode too. The link is in the description. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Mm -hmm.